So our second reading is from Luke chapter 1, beginning from verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Praise be to God for his word. Thanks, uh, Russell, for reading God's word to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord. It is your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, this morning I want to um, we continue that uh, brief series, Preparing Our Hearts for Christmas. And today we want to look at uh, this topic, Christmas Joy in the Womb. I kind of looked at this passage and tried to work out... Uh, what is a, a kind of a title for this? Because we're looking at Luke chapter 1, 39 to 45, and we've got a, a preview of that already in our kids' talk today uh, with, with Ollie. Uh, it's a kind of mini sermon uh, that we heard uh, a few moments ago. And so today we're going to look at this topic, uh, the, the Christmas joy in the womb, because I think, I think that's what we see remarkably in Luke chapter 1. It's quite a fascinating account. If you look at that chapter, it's... Uh, it's an amazing and a very profound chapter that we have where Dr. Luke, the physician, I presume, would have uh, sat with, uh, with Mary, uh, probably with uh, others around and, and by the Spirit of God, uh, got this information and has passed it on to us, information that is so vital, uh, so precious 
for the work, the gospel, but, but so precious for God's people, it is God's word. And so in this account, in Luke chapter 1, we have two women in impossible circumstances. Both women are touched by God. By the way, the text is uh, Luke 1, 39 to 45. Uh, one is a senior citizen. Um, the other is and was a teenager. Uh, one was barren and she had passed a, her childbearing years. Both of them are miraculously pregnant. So Luke has given us contrasting pictures here. If you look at the, uh, the, the way he structured Luke chapter 1. Uh, both are, are, are pregnant miraculously. Uh, we have one. Uh, the, the, Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, was actually in the, in, in the temple. And uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And you know the account there in Luke chapter 1. And he did not believe and, and he could not speak. Uh, right throughout that pregnancy. Imagine what that must have been for Elizabeth. That a husband was talking all the time, but now uh, could not speak anymore. Maybe, maybe Elizabeth thought that's a good thing. <laughs> this guy won't be talking so much. Keep him, keep him quiet. Right? Because husbands can... Well, we can talk, right? Not just the ladies, we're wives. We, we can talk as well. So maybe Elizabeth thought that's a good thing, but maybe it's quite a strange thing, isn't it? That he could not speak. And on the, uh, on the opposing side, we had, uh, the other side, we have Joseph, a very devout man as well. Both, both men uh, were devout men. And so we have these parallels, as it were, set in, in the context here in Luke chapter 1. Both these women are miraculously pregnant. Just like Sarah and, and Hannah in the Old Testament, God provides a child to the older one despite, despite her age. And this child would be the last and the uh, child of the in, in, in the in the old covenant style prophets. This child that Elizabeth would bear would be the one who would herald the fulfillment of God's promise to send the Messiah. The other was a teenage virgin and at the beginning of her childbearing years, and yet God conceived in her a child without the help of a man. And so this child would be the foundation of a new covenant, the Messiah that God had long ago promised. And so this is quite an amazing account that Luke, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given to us. And so this morning I will look at three points today. The personal conviction, 39 to 40. We have the personal confession that's, uh, that is by Elizabeth. And then we have the physical confirmation as well. So we have a personal conviction, the personal confession, and the physical confirmation. Well, let's just look at the personal conviction. Verse 39, if you have your Bibles, please keep that, uh, your Bibles open to that passage. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. You see, we... We saw a couple of weeks ago the angel Gabriel's visit to Mary, a young teenage virgin, with news directly from God that she would bear a son. Mary, as we know, was pledged to be married to Joseph. The plans may have been in place for the wedding. And now she has big news from the angel Gabriel, which must have turned Mary's world upside down. How would she bear a child without sexual relations with a man. And so Mary asked this fundamental question 
from the angel Gabriel. A very poignant question. Chapter 134. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And in reply, Gabriel gave this astonishing and profound statement in Luke 135. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called the Holy uh, called holy, the Son of God. That's it, Mary. Here's the angel. Yes, this is the answer to your question. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Here is the answer, Mary. The virgin birth, friends, is of Jesus is fundamental to Christianity. The virgin conception was supernatural. The birth of Jesus was normal. Correct. The birth of Jesus was normal. But his conception was not. And so to reject the virgin birth is to reject who Jesus is. And so the very concept, the very idea, the very miracle of the virgin birth has been attacked by theologians, liberal theologians, and others uh, making perhaps fun of this, this, this uh, very concept of the birth. In fact, there was an article in the New York Times many years ago that questioned this very fundamental facet and aspect of the virgin birth of Jesus. You see, the virgin birth of Jesus explains how Jesus could be both God and man. It explains how he is without sin. It explains that the entire work of God's salvation and plan is a gracious act of God. And so if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he would have had a human father and then he would be a sinner. Original sin as I touched upon a couple of weeks ago. And so if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then the Bible teaches a lie. And so the virgin birth is a miracle. I, I like us to think about it. It's a mystery as well. And Mary, as a teenager, found favor with God to bring forth his son. And so for Mary, this entire birth must have been confusing. Uh, but she was convinced of this reality. There was a personal conviction because you see this in the entire chapter. Because at the end she says, Lord, I am the hand servant uh, of you, Lord. And then she comes out with this wonderful song. Mary's, Mary's carol, if you want to call it. Uh, in chapter 1. So there was a great conviction in her heart. And so we see this also by her decision, her response to, to, to go and visit her cousin Mary. And for the angel Gabriel did not leave Mary in a state of confusion, so he spoke to her tenderly and referred her to her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a barren woman and the angel had visited, angel Gabriel visited her husband, Zechariah, with the news that his wife would be with a son, will have a son. Luke chapter 136. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, this is to Mary, in her old age has conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her, with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, and Mary, personally convinced with the news that she would bear a son, decided to immediately visit her cousin Elizabeth. The journey would have taken about three or four days, probably about 140 to 150 kilometers. Did she tell her parents that she was going? 
Did she tell Joseph that she was going? We don't know. All we know is that she decided to go. How would uh, Elizabeth respond? We'll move on to the uh, second aspect. The personal confession here, 41 to 43. So Mary goes into Elizabeth and Zechariah's house unannounced. Uh, We wouldn't do that today, would we? We would normally give a call or something and say we're coming in. Uh, Is that okay to drop in? But Mary goes. And Mary greeted Elizabeth. The word that is there, the word greeted is not just, Hi Elizabeth, how are you? No, no, it's a deeper greeting. It's a a greeting that has a a, a reasonable amount of significance there. It It is saying an encounter here. I'm coming to see you with a purpose. And there is an amazing physical phenomenon taking place here where Mary greeted Elizabeth. We see the reaction of two unborn babies. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, Elizabeth gave her the confirmation that the conception miracles can and has taken place. She herself was barren, but now she is with child and is six months pregnant. But there is a significant difference, friends, between the two pregnancies. And we must not confuse how different it was from the miracle taking place in Mary's womb. Baron Elizabeth was not a virgin. Zechariah was the natural father of the child in Elizabeth's womb. Not so with Mary. The meeting was a dramatic one. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. Now, the movement of a baby in a, in a mother's womb is not abnormal. All mums here, you know that, right? Uh, dads here as well, you know, we, we don't know exactly what's going on, but I, I do remember with, when, when Rose was pregnant with our three children, and uh, so always hold her tummy, and you could see the little kicks here and there, and it's quite... Man, for me it was like, wow, this is, this, is, this, is, this is marvelous. I'm sure as dads we've done that as well, right? And perhaps to all pregnant moms here and uh, guys here, you just hold your, uh, your wife's womb um, tummy and see the little kicks and you feel the movements. Isn't that remarkable? I, I find that fascinating, the little kicks that, oh man, it's amazing. doesn't matter. But the point is, the, the movement of a baby in a mother's womb, I think, must be the most... I think for all the all mums here this morning, it must be a most remarkable thing for you mums. Boy. Anyway, we come back to the text. So the movement of a baby in a mother's womb uh, is not abnormal. Babies do move in their mother's womb. But the movement of the baby in Elizabeth's womb was more significant, as we will see in a moment. See, this movement was unusual. And Elizabeth says this, in, in, in the, as we see it in the passage. And Elizabeth knew that this movement was not normal. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so she shouted out in the text here. We see that, isn't it? In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Think about it for a moment. How is it that the mother, notice the words, notice the words here that we have in the text here, in verse 42, which reads, How is it possible that the mother of 
my Lord should come to me. When I was preparing this passage, I thought, wow, isn't that quite a remarkable expression that we have here in the text? My Lord. You see, Mary, you are blessed among all women. You see, in Jewish culture, a woman's greatness was measured on the greatness of the children she bore. The more children she had, she was more blessed. But Elizabeth was telling Mary that she was blessed among all women because she was to give birth to the greatest child ever. The child is the promised Messiah. It is a humble confession, isn't it, from Elizabeth? Her son John the Baptist will be great. The angel Gabriel told Zechariah that in Luke chapter 115. But Elizabeth knew that Mary's child will be greater. Now, mums here, um, usually, uh, I'm not saying we would do this, but wouldn't we be saying, oh, my son's or my daughter is greater than yours? Or could there have been jealousy here between Elizabeth and Mary? Would there be, be some kind of rivalry? Oh, Mary, my child is going to be greater than yours, not yours, mine. No, no, nothing of that sort here. Instead, there is a humble and yet powerful personal confession of faith in the unborn child in Mary's womb. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You see, the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth calls the unborn child, what is it? My Lord. My Lord. You see, the Greek word that is used here is a word that corresponds with the word um, Jehovah. What is, is curious, which means corresponds in Texas right back to Jehovah. Yahweh God. This is my Lord. You see, the child in Mary's womb is Elizabeth's Lord. And what's so special about this child in Mary's womb? You see, Gabriel had already told Mary who this child is. He is sinless, he is great. He is the son of the Most High. He is king. His kingdom will never end. He is holy. He is the son of God. All of those things here in this text. In, in Luke chapter 1. He is fully God. Fully man. And Elizabeth is saying. I am willing to follow Jesus as my Lord. This is what we would call my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Saving faith. You see, faith sees things with the eyes of faith. What a confession by Elizabeth. My Lord. How about us this morning? You see, Christmas is a lovely time of the year. Um, we sing carols. We have family, friends over. We have gifts, everything else. But can you and I say this morning that Jesus is what is it? My Lord. Can you say that? You see, David said that long time ago. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, my Lord gives us a connection. My Lord says, I have a relationship. It's just like you calling your, your son or daughter. He is my child. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it, for a parent to be able to say, Come here, my son. Come here, my daughter. No matter what their age is, I would still say that to them. Come here, how are you going, my son? How are you going, my daughter, when I 
give them a text or whatever. Because there is the connection, there is the relationship. And what, what, what we need to see here is, is beyond just those two words. Elizabeth is making a, a personal confession of her faith in an unborn baby carried in the womb of Mary and she sees in that baby all the promises of God. This is the Yahweh. This is God in the flesh. This is who Mary is carrying. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one that God has spoken of throughout the ages past. The prophets have spoken about. And now this baby is in the womb of Mary and she stands before me and she cries out, Elizabeth, why have you come to me? My Lord is there. See, that's the relationship, friends. You see, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you cannot call him my Lord. But you can also keep him as my Savior and not be, not make Jesus, what is it, Lord. You know the difference? One thing, it's nice to say Jesus is my Savior. Alright? Oh, yeah, he's my Savior. But it's another thing to be able to say, Jesus is my Lord. Because the moment we say Jesus is my Lord, what am I saying? That my life is under the Lordship of Jesus. You see, people would like to keep Jesus as Savior and keep Him there. And so, and so you got the, your feet in both camps. One in the world and one with Jesus. I love a little bit of Jesus. I love a little bit of Christmas. And a little bit of this. And a little bit of that. It's all a big jumble. But can you say this morning, Jesus is my Lord. Lord, I have given my life to you. You are everything to me. You, you are everything that I am. Not. My Lord. What a confession that comes out from Elizabeth. A deep confession. You see, there's a physical confirmation as well. 44 to 45. Her baby leapt for joy. Verse 44. As soon as... This is incredible. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, what happened? Verse 44. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would come, uh, would fulfill his promises to her. You see, as I said, any mother knows when the baby moves. But this movement is different. It was a leap of joy. The, the, the word that is used here for joy, the word uh, in, the, in the original gives us this idea, alright? It gives us the idea of exaltation. It gives us the idea of extreme joy. It gives us the idea of abundance of gladness. There is, a, there is an outburst of gladness. That, that, it, it, is, it is beyond just the normal joy. And Elizabeth was, it, it's a profound joy that we have. That's the depth of this word. At, at feast people were anointed with the oil of gladness. Why was this? Why was this baby leaping for joy? Why was John the Baptist leaping for joy? One way to put it this way. His special leap was John's first proclamation. A silent prophecy in his earliest role as the forerunner announcing Christ's coming. Here we see an unborn John the Baptist in his mother Elizabeth's womb was the first to recognize Jesus. Two unborn babies connecting. How's that, eh? There was no satellite connections there. No electronic devices. But there was a connection. 
One guy put it this, this way. John the Baptist was the only child ever, I found this quite fascinating actually, John the Baptist was the only child ever to use a womb for a pulpit. <laughs> right? In the liquid darkness of the mother's womb, the unborn child kicked for joy, leaping at the sound of Mary's voice, and in a way preparing people for the coming of Christ. What is amazing is that John began to fulfill his calling right there in the womb of his mother Elizabeth in the presence of the baby in Mary's womb. See, John is a fetus now which which is about six months. He's not yet born, but he begins to be the forerunner. And in doing so, friends, John was fulfilling what we read in Isaiah chapter 40. What do we read there? In the wilderness, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert a highway for our God, every valley shall be lifted and so forth. John the Baptist, the forerunner. He's not only fulfilling Isaiah 40, he's fulfilling the words of Gabriel the prophet, Luke chapter 1. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Where? Aha. Uh-huh. Where do you see it? Even from his mother's womb. No wonder he left. And so John left for joy. And so this Christmas, this is Christmas joy that is celebrated in the womb. Even in the womb, John the Baptist as an infant was able to experience the joy of being in the presence of the Lord. This was an extraordinary movement. The Savior's presence in Mary's womb was strong enough that an unborn child reacted to him in joy. Now when we think of joy, what do we think of? Uh, what, do you, what, what comes up in your mind when you think about joy? Um, yeah? Your granny. Alright. Okay. We think about, alright, we think about family. It gives us joy, of course. Uh, when we think of joy, Ah, yes, your nana's name is Joy, so... Well, uh, well that, that's, that's good. <laughs> well, we think of joy, we think of happiness, don't we? Uh, we think of uh, celebrations, we think of smiles, we think of high fives, we think of all kinds of things, celebrations, so forth. But joy uh, is this, all of these things, and much more. It is also, it is a joy that wells up in the heart of a Christian... It is, it is a strong emotion that God has given us. Joy is very much part of the Christian's life. Do you know that? Are you a joyful Christian? Do you know the joy of Christ in your heart? You see, this is amazing. But what we have here is, is joy. And, and, and Jesus said this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, Christians should be the most joyful people in this world. Yes, we go through the valleys, don't we? Yes, we go through the trials. Yes, we go through the mountaintop experiences. Sometimes I think when I'm in the mountaintop, Lord, I want to enjoy every moment of that because next moment there's a valley coming. And then that will be uh, hard to handle. And then the moments are high. I think, God, thank you that you're cruising at the moment. Let me enjoy this. <laughs> right. But, but as Christians, when we're up there in the, in the mountaintop or in the valley, 
there is this joy that God gives to us. A joy. That's why we sing the carol. We will sing tonight. We sang it last Sunday at our children's service. Remember, we closed the service with that. What was that? Joy to the world. So tonight, when you come here, if you're here tonight, I encourage you to come. Sing it out with joy. Let the joy come out. Don't keep it in there. Let it come out. And let others be able to see the joy of our lives. The joy of what it means to be a believer. The joy of our salvation. The joy that gives us a smile on our face. The joy that flows from our heart. No Christian sees us. They see joy in our hearts and lives. You see, the Christian life is one of joy. Christmas is, is a joyful message because Christ gives us a lasting joy. I want to say that to you, friends, because even Paul touches on this. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eat, eating and drinking, and he says this, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, this is one of the things that, that excites me about knowing Jesus, is to know the joy of my Savior, the joy of my salvation, the joy that I have and you have to know that this God is my God. And when my life comes to an end, in eternity, this joy will be made complete and we will see the Savior, the majesty of my Savior, the majesty of Jesus. And our joy will be completed when we see the face of our Savior Jesus. Oh, what a joy that is. That's the joy that, that helps me every day in my journey of faith, my dear friends. To know the joy of the Lord. That, that inner joy that I can't buy, that you can't buy. And the joy that Jesus is to us. The joy of Christmas. The baby. Elizabeth could have said the baby leapt uh, with a cry. Or something else. But it says, the Bible tells us, and Luke says, then that when the baby moved, when John moved, he leapt for joy because he knew the promises of God is beginning to take shape. And so we put our joy not on circumstances because that will come and go. But we put our joy in the God of all promises who fills us with the joy of his spirit. Do you have that joy this morning? Do you know the joy of the Savior? Has it made a difference in your life? Has it made a difference in your relationships? Has it made a difference in your home? Because it will make a difference in your home. It will change the dynamic of your family life, correct? If you are a joyful wife and a husband, and sometimes the joy goes out here and there, but overall, right? There is a sense of joy. It, it, it brings a new dynamic in the home, does it not? Because the joy of the Lord is there. You know, I, I said this to you. When I began ministry I, I, in Sri Lanka, I, I've been to little homes, very poor homes, really mud huts. Seriously, I've sat on the floor and I've eaten rice and curry with my fingers. We didn't use forks and knives and all that kind of stuff. It's the fingers that God has given us. This, this is the best fork. Right, um, and, and I've been also in, in big mansions, and sometimes I've come out from those little homes, seeing these poor Christians having the joy of Christ, and been in big homes, 
without any joy. You see what I'm saying? See, John the Baptist left in joy. It is not joy in circumstances, joy in the Lord. So as we conclude, summary. See, knowing Jesus gives us joy. This morning we have looked at the personal conviction. Do you have the conviction that Jesus is who he is? There's a personal confession that Elizabeth gave. What's your confession this morning? There was a physical confirmation that baby that left for joy confirms that our Savior is God in the flesh. And so as we conclude this morning, Mary and Elizabeth exercise faith and trust in the promises of God. Let us today hold on to the promises of our God. They will never fail. In Jesus is real and lasting joy. Know him, trust him, pray for the joy in your heart and life today. This is the joy of Christmas, God's plan of salvation in Christ his Son. Pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us with the joy of Christ, of the Christ of Christmas. For indeed, brothers and sisters and friends, all those who find salvation will be saved by the atoning work of Jesus. The Christ, the virgin born Savior. Anything less than this is not Christianity. Whatever it may call itself. Anything less is not the true Christmas story. Amen.